0: Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be a part of your word, to be a part, excuse me, of the truth that God, you want to bring to each and every one of our lives. And God, we just want to tell you tonight that we love you. God, we want to tell you tonight that we thank you and we'll give you all the praise for everything that you're going to do. We thank you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus name. Come on, shout amen in the house. Come on, turn to three people, high five them and say salt and light, salt and light, Salt and light, salt and light. I want to bring a message to you tonight called salt and light. Salt and light. Let's, let's go straight into the word of God. Matthew 5, beginning at verse 13 through 16 says, You are the salt of the earth. Say that with me, salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. New Living Translation says it's worthless if it has lost its flavor. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Say with me, light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they take a light and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand that it will give light to all. Say with me, all all who are in the house. Come on, please note that. It gives light or our job should be to bring light to everyone, to all who are around us. Verse 16, so let your light so shine. Notice please in this passage, Jesus has just defined who we are. We are salt and light. But now he's telling us what that means. He's showing us what it means to be his light. He is saying now, come on, you are made to make a difference. What you do is vitally important. He says, so let your light so shine before men, who everyone, that they may see, 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 key point. He didn't say, so they will hear. He said, so they will see. Come on, you got to see before you hear. What am I talking about? Too many people back up their Christian experience with words where, no, our experience shouldn't be backed up with words. Words should back up our experience, amen? People should see our lives, the example that we are, the change in our lives. And as a result of what they see, the Bible says what? They will glorify your Father in heaven. Anyone remember the story of the Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan, there is no recorded words that he said to the man who was wounded and hurt. He got off his donkey, he poured in the oil and wine, he bandaged him up, he took care of him, he took him to the inn. He made reference and talked to the innkeeper, but he didn't talk to the man. What a reference for our lives. Come on, we need to just do the work. We need to let people see God in every one of us. And what will happen as they see God in us, they'll see the works that we do and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Here's a question. What makes heaven erupt with praise? You think it's who wins the election? Do you think it's when someone hits the jackpot of the lottery? Do you think it's when the saints finally win a game or when LSU? I mean, do you think that's what makes heaven go into a ruptuous praise? No, no, no. Can I tell you what sets heaven into a frenzy? One soul who gives their life to Christ. Salvation, alarm bells go off. All of heaven breaks out. Everyone stops what they're doing and gets on a praise break. Why? Because someone else has given their life to Christ. What a picture. What a picture. So here's the thought as I see verse 16. Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's my thoughts. Come on. They'll see your life, the way you live, and they'll recognize what they're missing. Because there's a God-shaped void in everyone. And there's a something that's missing inside of them. And as an example of your life, they'll see... That's what I'm missing in my life. So what will they do? They will then surrender their lives to Christ. God is then glorified and heaven erupts with praise. But there's a key ingredient to all of this. We've got to have salty salt and we've got to have a bright light. Come on, the key ingredient is we've got to have salt that's got some flavor. We've got to have some light that's shining bright We've got to have salt and light. And you know who the salt and light is? Look at yourself. It's you. It's, it's me. It's each and every one of us. Us who confess Christ as our Lord and Savior. Christ is telling us you are salt and now you are light to the world. And really, there lays the problem. Because it's on us to tell other people about Christ. Not just to invite them to church, but to share the gospel with other people. Just over a month ago, we took three, four weeks on a Wednesday night and we discussed the subject of reaching my world. Can you remember that? We, we talked about identifying. We're, we're facing a different opposition now. People are the same, but their needs, their mindsets, their mentalities are different. We're talking to people now that don't have a knowledge of Christ like they used to. They don't see the need to be in church. Why? Because they haven't been brought up. We're dealing with a different mentality and mindset. So we talked about identifying so we can understand understand how we can still bring hope to their life and we can still bring peace and then how we can reach them and touch them for Christ. And that's where we come in because God has called us to be salt and light. You know, statistically they say 53% of people will never come to church. 53% of people will not come to church To find God. That's a massive number. That's over half. That means literally one in two will never come to church to find Christ. Think about it. Death Valley, Saturday afternoon, evening. 104,000. Is that what it holds right now? 104,000. That means over 50,000 people. Half of Death Valley. Imagine splitting it in half and looking at everyone and saying, those amount of people will never come to church. That's really alarming. I said, that is really alarming. Or you can look at it and say, that's really challenging. Because that's a challenge right there. It's a challenge that we need to take on in our lives. Because God has called you and I to be salt and light. That's you and me. You see, evangelism is not just inviting people to church. That's what we've made it. We've gone out to people and we tell them, hey, go and share your faith with people. And they're like, man, you've got to come to my church. It's really cool. We've got this English preacher. He's kind of cool. He speaks funny. But if you kind of pray, God will give you interpretation and you'll understand it. And they've got a great band. And and wow, we love the new name and the logo. It's a cool church. Thank God that we've got something to invite people to do. But yet that's not the end of evangelism. But yet for many of us, that's how we perceive evangelism to be. For so many of us, we're relying on the church to do what God has called us to do. Listen to me today. We're waiting for the church. If my pastor could just be here, he would know what to say. Hold on a second. My Bible says that God will give you the words... To say, but let's take one step back. Hey, even if you don't have the words, you can live the life and be the example that God has called you to be because God called you to be salt and God called you to be light. There's a church in Florida, the name of their church was Church Without Walls. I like that. I think that's cool, Church Without Walls, because that's what church should be. It shouldn't stop right here. And really, this isn't the church. This is just a building where the church meets. You and I now are the temple of the living God. God's spirit dwells inside of us. It's our goal that we've got to get the church. We've got to get God out of these walls and into this community. And that's one of the reasons why we started small groups. We want to get the church into the world. We want to get a place where people will feel more comfortable coming and we can... Just love on them and show them the difference and show them what they're looking for because they're going to see our good works and they're going to give their lives to Christ. They're going to give glory to God because why? We're going to see our world, our communities, our life, our work, where we play. We're going to see all those things changed for Jesus Christ. Yes, we should invite people to church. But not as our only option. Come on. Because if we're just waiting for people to come to church, we are halving the odds. Because 53%, they're not going to come. So if we're waiting for them to come, half are not going to come. So what do we do? We're the salt and we're the light. Come on, turn to someone and say, we're the salt and we're the light. We're the ones that God wants to have relationship with. His church is His bride." God loves His church, but it's not a building. It's people. It's you. It's me. God wants to have relationship, not with a building, but with His people. And God wants to have a relationship with us for what reason? So He can use us to touch other people around. So I'm going to look tonight at a blueprint that Paul laid. I think Paul had knowledge in these things. I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I think he needs to be listened to when he says what he says. And, and Paul is given an instruction for the church of Corinth. But really, it's not just for the church of Corinth. It's an instruction for us as children of God, as followers of God, and what we need to be doing in our lives. 1 Corinthians nine, nineteen through 23. I'm going to read from the Message Bible tonight, so just follow along. It says this, Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and to all. Say with me, everyone. I've become a servant to everyone in order or for this reason to reach a wide range of people. I like what the New King James says, that I might win the more. That I might win the more. And it goes on, he says, to the religious, to the non-religious, to the meticulous moralists, to the loose living immoralists. So picture this. He's talking about extremes here. Those who are religious, those who have no religion. Those who want to do everything down to the nth thing. And they're trying to do it by morals and good works and good living. And then he said, then, then to the loose living immoralists, to the defeated, to the demoralized, whoever. I did not take on their way of life. And this is where a lot of people stumble and fail when it comes to winning the lost. They find themselves lost in the process. Why? Because they try to go back into the world and become the world again to win people to Christ. Notice Paul is not saying that. He says, I did not take on their way of life. Come on, I related to them. But what he was saying is, I'm not resembling them. Do you notice the difference? I'm relating, but I'm not becoming. That's not who I am. That's who I was. Anyone have a testimony in the house? That's, that's who I was. I'm not the same person that I used to be. Because he goes on to say, he said, I kept my bearing in Christ. But notice, I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. He said, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Salt and light. This is supposed to represent the life that we live on a daily basis. Come on. It's supposed to represent our efforts, our actions, and our ways. He said, I've made every attempt that I can I'm doing everything within my power to win people, that people may meet God, that they could step into a new life. I wonder tonight how much we're doing. Come on, how much, what's your attempt look like? You know that person that you've been sitting beside at work for five years, they don't even hardly know that you go to church. Come on, what about that lady at the grocery store? You know her name because you check out in her line every night. But there's seen so many opportunities. What attempt have you made? If the trump of God was to sound, would her blood, would his blood be on your shoulders? That's what we've got to realize because God called us to be his salt. And God called us to be his light. Come on, what attempts are you making? What have you done to meet and to lead those who, oh man, I just don't want to offend people. I just don't want to rock the boat. I don't. Listen, you don't have to stick Christianity down their throat. You don't have to beat them with the Bible. Come on, you can just love them. You can show them what it means to show up early and leave late. Come on, you can show them what it means to put your shopping cart back at the grocery store. Come on, you, you can just be that example for Christ that they're going to look at you and say, man, there's something different about you you're kind of weird in a good way have you ever had someone you're kind of strange but it's good what what is it I'm salt and I'm light come on Paul said I did all this because of the message I didn't want to just talk about it well look at what he said I wanted to be in on it. I love that. I wanted to be in on it. Come on, I did all this for the gospel. It's for the gospel. It's for Christ. It's that I win some. And I didn't just do this just to talk about it. I wanted to be all in. I wanted my life to be totally submerged and given over to those who are lost and dying all around me. What a challenge. What a challenge for every one of us. I remember that story and I've told this before. I believe it's Benny Hinn in his book, Good Morning Holy Spirit. He tells the story of a dream. And an angel took him and he saw a pit in the ground with sulfur and fire and smoke and heat. And just this vast chasm he saw in the ground. And he watched and he saw as far as the eye could see, man lined up shot behind each other, back to back. And all they were doing was one after the other was just marching. And they were marching and falling one after the other into that burning pit that he knew was hell. And he looked at the angel and he screamed and he says, why are you not doing something about it? And the angel says, I have that something is you. That something is you. Who's going down on your watch? Really, what attempts are you making to make sure that people are not lost? I want to bring you just quickly tonight a few points, six points actually, of what I see in this passage that Paul is telling us, that he's challenging us, he's reminding us of how we need to be. If we're going to be the salt and light, this is how we need to represent our lives. Because Christianity is supposed to be a way of life, not just a confession. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, that's great. That's how it starts. You have to confess and believe in your heart that He's Christ and then you will be saved, but that's not the end. That's just the beginning because now it's supposed to be a way of life. As you confess, then fruit should be evident in your life. The Bible says that we're supposed to bring fruits of repentance. What does that mean? That people through our lives should be repenting, should be coming to Christ. That we'll see people's lives touched and changed. Point number one. We've got to look to add value to people. Come on, we've got to see worth in people. How can I add value? To your life. I love that. In a in a world of noise. Can we just say it that way? You turn on the TV, it's noise. You turn on the radio, it's noise. You turn on the internet, it's noise. What do I mean by that? Everyone's trying to get your attention. You need to buy this, you need to do this. Here's the latest workout craze. Here's the latest clothes that you need. You need to look this way. There's just noise. Buy this product. Buy this car. Do this. And you need that. It's just noise, noise, noise all around us. We made a decision about a year ago in our church when it came to outreach. We said, you know what? We're going to change the whole way we do outreach. And what we're going to do is we don't just start adding value to people. We're just going to give people stuff just because. We're just going to show up at an office just because and we're going to buy them lunch and no strings attached. We're just going to say, hey, guys, we love you. Here it is. We're just going to take on projects and things like that and just go out into the community and just add value to people, show them, see a need in their life and say, how can we fill that and how can we make a difference? What did Paul say? Paul said, I have become a servant to people. He didn't say, I've become a dictator. He didn't say, I've become an instructor. He said, I have become a servant. What can I do for that person today? What can I do for that person today? who's beside me every day at the office. I mean, what can I do for them? Can I buy them a lunch? Can I bring them a Starbucks? Oh, well, that's, what's that for? Hey, just because. Just, no strings attached. Just want to tell you today, Jesus loves you. You don't even have to say that. Just, hey, I was just thinking about you and just thought, wow, I'm stopping for a coffee. Why not buy you one too? Here's a question. Who is it that you enjoy being with? Who, who is it that you enjoy spending life with, doing life with? I, I'm telling you right now, the people I most enjoy doing life with is people who don't want anything from me except me. There's no strings attached. There's no ulterior motives. You know what I'm talking about? They're not trying to get something, borrow something, do something, beg for something. They're just there because they just want your friendship. Those type of relationships are very rare today. And here's my challenge for you. Why not be that person in someone's life that doesn't want anything from them except for them to know Christ? Why not be that person? Why not? Why not it may cost you something. It may take time. It may take energy. Why not be that person that doesn't need anything from Oh, you don't need any money? No, I don't need no money. What are you trying to, listen, it's all good. I I just want to be your friend. I just want to just be there. Is that okay? I I, I don't want anything. just want to add value to your life. Here's a statement that I truly believe, ETR. ETR means earn the right. I, I believe we need to earn the right to share the gospel with other people. If you're just going to go up on the street and put your finger in someone's face and say you're going to hell, they're probably going to tell you that you're going to hell too, amen? And um, they're going to tell it in a not so nice way, back to you. you. You just don't, but you need to earn the right. I really believe this, to share the gospel with people. So that means you've got to build relationships with that person. But you know what, it's also more than just relationship, I believe it's also respect. You need to build a relationship where they respect you. Listen to this statement. They won't hear you because they just know you. They will hear you because they respect you. Come on, you know a lot of people in your life and you're not going to take anything from them because you just don't respect anything that they are. Because they're a hypocrite, they're this, that. You know them, you're in relationship, you work with them. But I'm telling you, there's a difference when people respect you. Because when they respect you, they'll know who you are, what you stand for, and what you do. And therefore, they will listen to a life like that. You see, it's not just knowing people. It's them truly knowing the God inside of you. They may not know it's the God inside of you, but they see something different. And they will respect you for that. What's your respect level? Seriously, what's your respect level? If you were to poll those around you, what would the respect level they would be? Or have of you. Because if you would say man. They probably don't have much respect. You need to do some work. You need to start adding value to some people. And start realizing. Hold on. I'm salt and light. Quit praying for pastor. Quit praying for someone else to come into their life. So they would know Christ. God's placed you right there. You are called to be the salt and light to everyone. Point number two. We're called to reach all. Come on. We're called to reach everyone. We're not just called to reach the people we like. Oh, that's easy, isn't it? I kind of like this person. That's a strange person at work. I'll just pray for him from a distance. No, you know what? We are called to reach all People, No matter who they are. John 3, 16, God didn't come after a particular people. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. He loved everyone that he gave heaven's best, his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him will be saved. Jesus came for the whosoever. He now calls us to go after the whosoever. But yet we want to stereotype. We want to shrink it down. We want to get so tunnel-minded. But my question is this, where did God say we get to choose who we lead to Christ? We don't get to choose because God already made the choice. And God said, I've called you to everyone. I've called you to that drunk. I've called you to that lawyer. I've called you to that teacher. I've called you to that electrician. God says, I've called you to everyone around. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, I've become a servant to all in order that I might reach a wide range of people. Here's your challenge tonight. Are you ready? Get out of your lane. Get out of your lane. Get out of your comfort zone. We're stuck in that lane and we're just going and we're talking to those two people at work and we're just this and that. We're so bam in so many times in our life. What about the person over there? What about the person over there? Come on. Get out of your lane and realize that God has other people around you. Get out and be multidimensional and not just one dimensional. Stop being so structured and inclusive. You know what Encounter Church is all about? We're not an exclusive church. We're an all-inclusive church. Because we want to open the doors for everyone. We're fishing with a net in this house. Say, man, we're not going with a hook and some a little bait. We're throwing out a big net because we've got a lot of fish that we want to... Church. You okay tonight? And that's good. But guess what? 53% of people are not. We're comfortable in church and feeling good. Pastors preaching a great word. Amen. Pastors telling you, you need to get off your butts. And touch those who are lost. Because you can't rely on them coming to church. You are the church. And you've got to go to them. Look at this statement. We must have a greater desire to connect with people, not correct people. Why do we feel like we've got to be the spiritual police? That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Come on, I didn't get many amens in that. Why do we feel we've got to be the spiritual police and correct everyone? That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And the last time I checked, there's no vacancies in heaven. In the Godhead, there's no vacancies. The Holy Spirit's not on vacation and needs someone as a replacement for a couple of weeks. But it's really sad when you look at a lot of churches today, that churches are known more for what they're against than really who they're for, than the God that they serve. And really, we're going back to religion because that's what Jesus had to set on edge when he came because... They were excluding people. The Bible says that Jesus drove out the money changers and those who bought and sold in the temple. And the next verse it says, and those who were lame, those who were weak, those who were sick came and He healed them all. You see what was happening is they were running a business and those people weren't accepted. The church became a business. It became an enterprise. It became if you're this and that, then you can come. But the ones who really needed it, they were excluded. Come on, we've got to open the doors. We've got to go wide. Why? Because it's not our job to correct people. It's our job to connect with people. Because the lost are lost. I said the lost are lost. And they're really lost. And how can we expect them to get it right when we still don't have it all right? We're in church and we still mess up, but yet we judge them and come down on them. Number three. We've got to know our identity in Christ. We've got to know who we are in Christ. We've got to know what God has called us to. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians. We read it earlier. He said, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world. I love that. I didn't live their life. I didn't do those things to try and win them to Christ. I kept my bearing. I reminded myself of what God had saved me from and what God had called me to. I reminded myself of those things. But I did enter into their world. I didn't live, but I entered into the world. Too many of us want to live back in a world that God delivered us from. God took us from that stuff, the stuff that we laid down at the cross. We don't need to pick that up anymore and try and do in moderation and try and do with this and that. Listen, the things that God delivered us and set free from, come on, that needs to be in our past so we can live in the glorious future that God has for us. But we've got to be careful because many of us, we want to go back to that stuff. Why? Because we feel compelled to win those who were there alongside of us. Come on, we've got to keep our bearings. We can enter, but we can't stay. We can invite, but we're not belonging there anymore. Listen to me. Look at this statement. I don't have to be like them to reach them, but I must like them. I don't have to be like them, but I've got to like them. How are you going to reach someone you don't like? And how is someone going to want God if they don't like you? Come on, I'm stepping on you tonight. I'm coming after you. This is a challenge for every one of us. You see, God has called us to be a friend from them, but still be a Christ follower. We've got to find the balance. We can't let go of Him while we're going after them. Because that's our anchor. That's our security. That's our hope. That's our future. That's our vision. And He's the only one that can pull them out. And if we let go of Him, we are just as bad as what they are. You see, here's what I believe. And you may say you don't, but that's fine. I believe that everyone wants God. I believe that everyone wants God. They just don't realize what they need. Everyone needs God. There's a God-shaped void inside of every one of them. They just don't know Him yet. And I'm salt and light that God has called to be in that community, to be in that workplace, to be right there, that I can show them... Christ, by the way I live. Come on, as our paths cross with people every day, I think we should make them thirsty. After all, we are soul, That's what it does, huh? It yeah. makes you thirsty. Give them a reason for the hope that's inside of you. That's what the Word of God says. There's a hope in you. Give them a reason to want that hope. Number four, you ready? We've got to enter their world. We've got to enter their world. A lot of people are afraid of this. Again, they think, oh, it's compromise. No, we're not compromised. But we've got to enter into their world. Matthew 9, 35, 36. Jesus enters the world. Look what he says. Then Jesus went into all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease amongst the people. But when he saw the multitude... He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep who had no shepherd. What do we see there? Jesus saw. Jesus was moved with compassion. What he saw moved into compassion. Come on, we've got to start seeing the hurts. We've got to start seeing the pains all around us. John and Peter, when they went to the temple, that. That lame man was there every day they passed by, but they were too busy to get to church that they didn't notice him. But when the Holy Spirit came into their life, all of a sudden, now they had a different vision. They saw people in a different light. My God, we need to see people in a different light. We need to enter their world. We need to have empathy for what's going on. Can I pray with you about that? Man, I'm so sorry to hear about your son, your daughter, your marriage. Can I just... Love on. Can I pray for you? Can our church? Hey, 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 let me just take you for lunch. Well, what for? What reason? I just want to add value to your life. Come on, enter their world. And Jesus later would leave his followers, what we know as the Great Commission: go into all the world and preach the gospel. Notice it's a Great Commission and not a Great Invitation. Come to my church. Come on, we're called to go to the world. Because 53% ain't coming to our church. You've got to catch them before you can clean them. And catching is your job, but cleaning them is the job of the Holy Spirit. I heard this statement, and I want you to hear this really good. When we lose our compassion and passion it's because we have left their world. Let that sink in for a minute. When we lose our compassion and passion, it's because we have left their world. We've seen the news just recently of Las Vegas. And we watch. What what happens when you watch that? Your, Your heart breaks. Your heart bleeds. But then guess what? Your favorite show comes on and you just change the channel and all of a sudden you're in something else why because you've lost your compassion and passion why because you left that world you changed the channel and went somewhere else and that's where we're at so often in our lives the reason why those people around us are not keeping us up at night in prayer and our hearts are broken is because we just leave their world we just blow it off and don't really care but yet we're the ones that's called to be the salt and light for their lives number five We've got to look to constantly move people to God. Not everyone's going to get saved, I'm telling you. Everyone you talk to, you're not going to see a 100 percent salvation rate. Everyone's not going to be ready to be saved right now. But I'm telling you right now, it's your responsibility to tell them about Christ, and it's His responsibility to save them. But what you've got to do is you've got to move them down along the scale. I I did this message before. Josh, come up here quickly with me if you could. If Josh is standing up here and Josh is at a zero, doesn't know anything about God, right here is about five. In the middle, we're going to say it's the salvation experience. It's not ten because salvation is not the end. We've still got things that God has in store for us. But you know what? I may not get Josh to number five. But you know what my responsibility is to move him along the scale. So every time I'm in contact with him, I want to just input something into his life that can just move him down the scale. Oh, he's not saved yet, but he's a whole lot closer than where really he was. And then God speaks about the fact that some water, some plant, some prune, some every one of us has a role to play. Because if I'm moving Josh, guess what? You may meet him at the store and you may say something. All of a sudden, it just computes with something that someone else has said. And now we're working together, thanks, to move them down the scale. Come on, we've got to be constantly moving people to God. A lot of people say, well, how come you haven't saved them yet? They're maybe not ready yet. But you know what I'm doing every day? I'm giving them a saved life and I'm presenting them. So who have you moved lately? Come on, there's a challenge for you. Who have you moved lately? Come on, what am I moving? Who am I moving? Come on, think about that. Who am I moving? Every one of you should have someone in progress. Every one of you should have a work in progress. You should be able to right now be able to name someone's name and say, that's someone I'm working on. And if you don't have a someone that you're saying, you need to get a someone that you're working on. That every day you pray that they'll get saved. Every day you're adding value to their life. You're entering their world. You're doing what you... Every day you need to be praying for someone that's a work in progress in your life. Kelly and Brian, can you stand up quickly just where you're at? Kelly and Brian. A lot of you know Kelly and Brian. If you don't, there's Kelly and Brian. (laughs) Kelly and Brian are getting baptized tonight along with their son Luke. (laughs) Brian's mum, Joanne, comes to this church. Brian's brother-in-law, Jeff, comes to this church with his family. The reason why Brian and Kelly are here in this church is because Pastor Philip coached a young girl, five years, soccer, a busy life, leading the church and all the kids we have coached five years out in a parish soccer league. As a result of coaching that league, Jeff and his family came to this church. As a result of Jeff and his family come to this church, he, they invited their mother-in-law and mum, to come. And then Brian and Kelly, can. now Brian and Kelly didn't find salvation here, but their lives have been completely changed and God's doing something in their lives. You can sit down. What am I saying right now? Listen to me right now. You've got to realize that you can go into people's world and you can constantly, I, I'm screaming on the sideline, but you know what I would do? Before every game, and Jeff said, because I, I had lunch with Jeff yesterday, he said to me, he said, when you said that, he said, I said to myself, I like this guy. Because I stood up in front of all the parents and said, I'm not going to preach and I'm not going to stick Christianity down your throats. But I'm telling you right now, I believe in God. And one thing as a coach I want to do is I want to pray with your girls before every game. That's all I asked. just want to pray. You know what happened? Parents started to come and join in on the prayer. And parents started asking questions. Parents came to church. As a result of coaching that team, I've had four Sets of parents that came to this church and gave their hearts to the Lord through things. But what am I saying? I'm not, I'm not blowing. What I'm trying to say is this if we would just go out and do something, there's a mission field out there. Last point, we've got to live the gospel. We've got to live the gospel. Come on, Francis Assisi said these words. He says, Preach the gospel by any means possible, and if needed, use words. You've got to live the message. Show people you're still a work in progress. Come on, you'd show them that you still need the grace and forgiveness of God, like Pastor Pete taught. I need the grace and forgiveness of God in my life. But I'm telling you right now, one of the goals of my life, here's one of the greatest goals of my life, outside of my children and my family. This is one of the greatest goals of my life, that people will look at me and say, He's the same person wherever He's at. That's a goal of my life. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm not perfect. And I have to say sorry many times. But I never try to stand here behind a pulpit and give you an image to follow that is unobtainable. I show you my faults and my failures. I open up with you the things that I've gone through in my life. I've been divorced in my life. I've gone through these things. You know those Have you been here. Come on, we're not hiding these. We're showing the scars because the scars are a testimony to the goodness of God. Because if we're perfect, we can't relate to other people. Because there's no perfect people out in the world. And that's why the churches are empty because perfect people are in there and we don't let imperfect people come in here. No one's perfect. Come on, we're salt and light. In a few minutes, we're gonna see people baptized. We're gonna see people say, I'm all in with Jesus. We're gonna see people make an outward sign of an inward change of what God has done. Come on, we're gonna see them do the wedding ring of salvation. That's what we call baptism. That public declaration. But I'm telling you right now, people are waiting on you to be the salt and light. God chose you with a purpose, and God chose you on purpose. Come on, you have a purpose. And God shows you, not by accident, because you're the apple of his eye. We've got to tell others about Christ, not just invite them. We've got to enter their world. We've got to touch them. We've got to reach them because the Bible says, how will they know unless you, me, salt and light. Tell them, bow your heads all over this place. Come on, if you accept this challenge tonight, just stand to your feet. Come on, if you, you accept this challenge and you realize, man, I'm salt and light. I, I, need to do, come on, I need to do greater attempts than I've done because my attempts are pretty pathetic. If we were in the Olympics and we were attempting to do something, I wonder what your score would be for how you're evangelizing and how you're telling people. One wonder if it would be nines and tens and woo, or it would be failures, embarrassment. Come on, let's just be real tonight. Let's just be transparent. Because what we're doing today is every one of us is standing and saying, we've got to do a better job. Come on, I'm preaching tonight because God's challenged me and saying, I've got to do a better job. Because I realize, are you ready? I can't tell you about winning people to Christ if I'm not out there winning for people for Christ. And I'm telling you, I'm telling people about Christ. I'm witnessing. I'm leaving cards everywhere, man. If you go to a gas pump, you're probably going to see an EC card somewhere because Pastor P's been there. Come on, nearly every day I take a card and I put it in my pocket. And here's a challenge for every one of you. Take one of our new cards. Take one of our invite cards. Take as many as you want. And every day get up and put it in your pocket. And when you put it in your pocket, say, God, today, help me to add value to someone's life. I'm not just inviting you to church. Not just using it as a scapegoat and then running. Because I wonder how many people we've invited to church have never made it because their life was taken before they could get here. God put you in their pathway, not to invite them to church. God put you in their pathway for you to bring Christ to them. To bring Christ to them. Can we just yield our hands to God? Can we just do that right now? Come on, God, we give you our hands. We give you our life. We give you everything right now. God, we say don't look any further, God. Choose us. God, don't look beyond us. Choose us. God, don't look through us. God, choose us. Use us, God, because we want to be that salt and light. Because your word says if we lose our saltiness, we're worthless. God, we can't be worthless because people are lost and dying. People need you. God, we need to be used of you. God, use us. Use us, God. Help us to attempt right, to do right. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We don't know all the chapters and verses. But God, you've just called us to be a light, to shine, to live, just to be. And God, as we do those things, God, we're going to see heaven erupt in praise because man is going to glorify you because they're going to find you. They're going to find that which they are searching for and that which they need because, God, you're the still the hope of the world. And we carry that hope. In Jesus' name. Hey man, keep your head back.